What is up, everybody? Welcome in. It's Tuesday. This is the Hold That Podcast podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And it's here. It is officially game week. That's right. The SEC opens up this weekend. LSU, Mississippi State, Cowbells, Maroon, Mike Leach, Miles Brennan, there's a lot of elements in play this weekend. Uh, I'm super hyped. Welcome in. Uh, I am joined. I'm T-Bob Hebert. I host Off the Bench. I'm uh, stationed in Baton Rouge. I'm joined, as I always am, by Brody Miller of The Athletic. Brody, what's up, dude? What's going on, man? I'm so excited. I'm actually in a weird spot. Just be, I, I feel like because the past six months, for me at least, because I'm pretty much football only in my job description, like... I've been in six months of basically preview content, like different preview features, different like this guy's about to break through. Like I've been writing the same thing for six months. So in some ways, this week just doesn't feel differently at all. And then in some weeks, it's like, holy crap, it's actually here. So I am in a weird, un, you know, kind of denial state right now. And I, I have a hard time believing we're actually going to see an LSU football game in Tiger Stadium this Saturday. But all that said, I am doing well and I'm excited to talk some football. Hell yeah, man. Uh, This Saturday, CBS, 2.30, Gary Danielson, Brad Nessler, 25,000 fans, which is kind of crazy. Is this the last year of them ever? Um, Is it? I don't know. I love Gary Danielson. When does the ESPN deal start? Uh, well, okay, yeah, that's right, because there is there an assumed deal in place that CBS didn't match? Oh, it's after 2023. Uh, All right, we got three more years, four more years. Sorry about that. Uh, no, that's fine. I mean, I love Gary. I, I have no particular affinity for Brad, but but I, I can't wait to hear Gary again this weekend. Uh, yeah, man, it, it, it's happening. LSU starting in the primetime slot. Uh, I, I, I can't be more excited. So he, here's what we're going to do on today's show. We're, we're going to break down Mississippi State a bit, you know, as much as we can. Um, admittedly, I don't know the most about Mississippi State, but I'll give you what I do know. Uh, so we're going to break down Mississippi State, what we kind of think might be key this weekend. Um, LSU continues to uh, hype up a you know a, a sect of this offense that maybe we're not fully giving full credit to in terms of their potential. And we'll get a look at that potential this week. We'll talk about that a bit later. And then some surprising starters – um, and finally, uh, the mystery is back. We are not sure, once again, how to say Arik or Eric Gilbert's <laughs> first name. So a lot to get to on today's Hold That Podcast. Go to athletic.com slash hold that podcast. $1 a month. That's all it is with that deal. $1 a month. If you act now, it's a deal going on athletic.com slash hold that podcast. All right, Brody, let's dive in, dude. Uh, Mississippi State. The Bulldogs, like LSU, a lot of turnover there. Uh, fancy new high-profile coach and Mike Leach. Uh, pretty solid transfer quarterback in KJ Costello coming over from Stanford. Um, a great returning running back who also helped get uh, a, a state flag change in the offseason to the benefit <laughs> of the state, led the charge. 
and uh, and I think I've exhausted my bulldog knowledge. So, but like you know, that's it. There's some there's some interesting elements narratively. For sure. Uh, I, I feel like everybody I talk to doesn't think this is going to be much of a contest on the field. So, yeah, I think that gets, it's kind of been interesting because when that schedule came out, I mean, I think you said it. I think it's been a common thing that a lot of people were like, man, that's kind of a scary week one matchup. And I I never quite saw it that way. And I understood why. It's Mike Leach. You know, it's, a, it's an air raid offense. That's a funky way to start the season. I do get that. But I just kept thinking like, Mississippi State is on a, you know, I, while I think Leach is going to make that team interesting, like they're on a downward trajectory in terms of overall talent. You know, I think it's really gone downhill the last two years, and they wasted a loaded roster two years ago. And obviously they had a down year last year. And then they still lost almost everybody from that team. I think, uh, I'm pulling it up right now, I think they're 110th in, in returning production right now. Uh, yeah, 110th in returning production on a team that wasn't even particularly good. And then you add in it's a pandemic. You don't have a spring with a new coach. Yes, they did just have a long fall, but so I guess that does help. But still, you have like just so many reasons to kind of be like, I don't know if this is going to click right away. And like I said, I think in the long run, Mike Leach is going to be that feisty coach who like pulls off one or two upsets a year and all that kind of stuff. But when you put all these things together, like I think Mississippi State's going to be really messy week one. Their best player is somebody that, while I'm sure is going to do great, Kylan Hill, he doesn't even necessarily like fit perfectly in their scheme. The whole thing is just weird. So I was surprised when you know the betting line came out and opened at 19, and LSU was a 19-point favorite. And first off, I would have said hammer 19. I think LSU routes, even though I have flaws with LSU. And it came, early money came in heavy on Mississippi State, got bet down to 17, which shocked me. And now you're seeing, like, now it's down to 17. Heavy money come in on LSU, and I think it's about to go right back up. But all that is to say, I think LSU is kind of made to route this game because they can kind of play the same old, same old card. Their talent is still off the charts, even with so little experience. And I just think Mississippi State, with no fault of their own, really, is just going to be messy week one. Do you think that... Um... God, I guess you just got my mind spinning just thinking about Mike Leach and Colin Hill and how he doesn't really fit like an air raid attack. Do you think that Mike Leach tries to evolve with a heavier run presence in his offense to take advantage of Kylan Hill? That would feel like a crazy curveball. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's something you you have to do. I mean, it's just like a good coach adapts. A good coach doesn't be like this is my scheme and this is all we do. And I and I think that's actually part of what Joe Moorhead's problem was at least in year one with Nick Fitzgerald. And you know, I, I actually should give a shout out to my uh, my old college classmate and really good reporter at the Columbus Dispatch in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, you know, uh, Ben Portnoy, who wrote a actually wrote a story on this very topic uh, last week, and it's basically about how Kylan Hill, you know, how are they going to use him in an air raid offense? But, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, they're going to run the ball, but Mississippi State running backs just don't run. I mean, Washington State running backs, sorry, just don't run like they, you know, like a, like a Kylan Hill should be run. And, I mean, and also the same, I don't know, I, I have a gut feeling, yes, they will run more than your average Washington State running back does, of course. But I don't think Mike Leach is going to suddenly Nothing just drastic. change who he is. Because that's what yeah, I'm I wondering. If, I mean, definitely not. But if not, like if, if there was ever a time to maybe try something new, the air raid is – and he's the best at it. I mean, as evidenced by the stat. But I feel like it is becoming so prolific. Teams are getting more and more used to defending it. I feel like you're seeing the Ravens on the NFL level – right now use a ton of interesting old school run concepts to kind of go off meta 
and like they're using that to incredible success. I just, yeah, man, I, I, I'm probably giving Mike Leach too much credit for for because that's a lot of work to undertake, and, <laughs> and 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 he is like, in terms of guys who good or bad would stay like this is my system. He would be somebody who would be like a prime suspect uh, to be this yeah. is my system. And- and also to build on that, I mean, the entire basis of like where the spread and the air raid comes from is the idea of neutralizing a deficit, right? It's it's about yes. hey, I don't have like the same bodies and all these things. Like I need to neutralize that, get the ball out quick, spread the field, all that stuff. Well, Mississippi State is way less talented. Not way. I want to be aggressive, but yeah, they're less talented than LSU. So as much as you want to use Kylan Hill, like if you put yourself in a if you try to, you, this isn't a game where they'd want to alter their philosophy to like try to get more out of him because your only chance really at winning this game is aerating the hell out of LSU. You know, it is to confuse them and be fat, feisty and all these things because I really like LSU's run defense this year. I like that front seven or front six. I feel like it's the more accurate term. You know, so I, I would be pretty surprised. But it's it's just going to be interesting because something at Mississippi State, as much as we're talking about this. Mississippi State's receivers have been a real weakness for several years, even dating back to the Dan Mullen era. They just haven't really developed receivers. And, and yeah, I'm excited to see what, what Shavers, Tyrell Shavers, that Alabama transfer who was a really big recruit coming out, you know, here in the starting job. And maybe, maybe he'll add something new athletically and a real threat there. But it's just a weird, unpredictable team. And that's why you and I have this kind of running joke of, like, we don't know that much. But no one really does because – it's a new scheme. It's a new quarterback. I don't know. Like it's a transfer receiver. And it's a running back that doesn't fit their scheme. And it's a really, really inexperienced defense. So it's hard to predict much. So I think it's going to be kind of messy. So uh, that, that 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 is fair. That is fair, right? I mean, the unknown just means variables. Like how can we actually know, right? We're we're just guessing, and we have less information now than we probably normally do. But uh, this is where this is what I was just kind of struck that they're listening to you is. You're like, you know, I had LSU's good run defense, and your best chance is probably beating them in the air raid. And and I find myself like, I agree. Uh, but what's crazy about that is an air raid has to go up against Derek Stingley, Jacoby Stevens, you know, whoever out of Flot Ward, Elias Ricks, like whoever's a slot, whoever wins the other corner. Like, it's an incredible secondary to have to try and throw against. And and it leads me back to something that I talked about. Today on the show, and I don't know what I've said in the time that we've been doing this podcast. There's been so many takes on this like off season that I think I've probably bounced yeah. back and forth. We've like, gone in circles seven times takes, on this. Yeah. Yes, so I, I like a snake eating its tail. I've arrived back at this point that I think that ultimately, if this team is gonna reach that championship potential that we have alluded to, that we think their ceiling can be, it will be because of the defense. And the defense being a next level good defense, and uh, and maybe they won't be, but if they are, like I or if LSU's going to get to that championship level, I think they will have to, and I think that's a good example of it right there. Like you know, you want to run them, they get a really good run defense. Well, who wants to throw against that secondary? They got a lot. They they got a lot there, I guess. And who knows? Maybe I'm giving too much credit to Bo Pelini. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think my only counter to that is that. It's it's not like this is an air like it's not like this air raid is basically like we're taking shots downfield one on one you know on Derek Stingley or anything it's more about you know short passes quick passes getting guys in space you know and in, in like crossing routes and all these things so I don't think it's like they're testing Derek Stingley necessarily I mean in 
in principle, of course we are. I mean, of course they are. Like it's, it's, it's. Still- That's the thing, though. You still are. You, I, I get what you're saying. You're not going one on one. You're trying to win by a little bit of like uh, sleight of hand, but those are still the guys that you're trying to sleight of hand, right? And they're still the one tackling which is going to be one of the key portions to stopping that. Like there's still the ones with the ability. If you do mess up to make the play on the other side. No, I, I think you're Yeah, you're right. No, that's the thing. It's going to be so fascinating to see how they go about attacking. What does Mike Leach want to do? And, and also like we, we need to just like stop for a second. And like, we're talking, we're getting in the nitty gritty and we're almost forgetting like the fun part here is just being like, Oh shoot. Like we get to see Mike Leach in the sec. This is something like oh, that's fair. we've, we've always kind of like dreamed about for a decade or two decades. And it, it for every reason, it just has never happened. And we're, we're focusing unfortunately on like how we think they're going to get whooped, but man, we get to see Mike Leach just like try weird shit, you know, against an LSU defense. We get to see, you know, just a bunch of fun stuff. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by that and just watching what they try because at the end of the day though, yeah, I don't think it's going to go great. I'm not. Sh- I think KJ Costello is probably pretty good, but I don't think he's going to come in and be like, you know, a world beater. Uh, I don't think the receivers are going to be game changers. I don't know if the offense as a whole is conducive to getting the most out of Kylan Hill. And I think the defense m- might be kind of bad. I mean, their secondary, for example, is going to be thanks to some injuries and things like that. They're going to be completely inexperienced in the secondary, so that's a big concern and all that. So going against those LSU receivers. So all that said, I just. Uh, I, I'm obviously super intrigued by this game. I'm super excited for this game. I can't wait to watch how different areas of the LSU offense and defense do. But I just, I don't think it's going to be as feisty as some teams. That's all. It's not like a scolding take. Will KJ Costello have the best stats in the SEC by season's end? Ooh, that's a good one. So, <laughs> huh. Who would be your pick? Uh, I mean, uh, dude, I think KJ Costello. I don't, I don't know. I just keep thinking about Anthony Gordon. Oh wait, no. My answer is whoever Alabama's quarterback ends up being. Mac that Jones. Mac Jones is a starter, right? He is officially named a starter. Yes, okay. he is officially yeah, named I, a starter. I think, thank you. Uh, oh yeah, it was just a day ago. Um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's Alabama's quarterback. I mean, it's Mac Jones because even though I don't know if Mac Jones is going to be amazing. I trust Steve Sarkeesian. I trust that absurd receiving core, and I trust Alabama football. So, and they are a spread offense now. So, I I do think Alabama. I think Mac Jones would be my pick. I think Brennan will be pretty high up there. Just not even not even me saying I think Brennan's going to be amazing. Just kind of that similar concept of if he's even solid, I think he puts up great numbers. While Costello, he's going to have a lot of yardage and all that, but I don't love his receivers. I don't love. Do you think they fully like trust? Some- you fully think they fully trust Mac Jones like that? And like, is is there a well, difference? I mean, I'd have, have to, to get- dive into Washington State stats for real, and not so just like just taking shots in the dark. But <laughs> yeah, that's is it like? I mean, I, I feel like there's a spread attack, and then there's a spread attack, <laughs> and and the latter is Mike Leach. It's the mm-hmm. Joe Burrow throwing sixty one times for oh, the yeah. Bengals, but every week. No, no. I mean, that's a good point. Well, but numbers needs to be more. We're smarter than that. No, 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 no. no. I am saying raw volume. I am saying, will he have the best stats? Yeah. Will he have the most (laughs) passing yards and most passing touchdowns in the SEC? Yeah, I mean. He will have the most yards. I'm going to say most yards, not touchdowns. Okay. That is a okay. perfect hedge. Okay, there you yeah, go. Because, I mean, yeah, that's a BS way to look at it. I mean, yeah, like, you know, 
I'm trying to think of like a basketball analogy, but there's tons of times the guy who has the most points is by no means the best offensive player. Like, look at turnovers, look at you know completion percentage, all that stuff. So yes, I will uh, say I mean, he's the I most. I guess yards. I don't know. I think the guy who has the most points is almost always the baddest ass dude. Do you actually believe that, T-Bob? I mean, Anthony Davis, LeBron James when he wants to, Giannis didn't he lead the league in? Scoring? Oh, I mean, like across the league. I mean, like yeah, you're gonna find yeah. your you're gonna find your exceptions. But I mean, hey, I don't know. I mean, a lot of yards is a lot of yards, bro. What if he throws to like six thousand? Yeah, no, just yeah. Kidding. I mean, I, I I bet you loved watching Monte Ellis era. Golden State Warriors. Oh, dude, <laughs> Monte Ellis could ball. See, this is the problem. He could ball, but they won like 38 games. Oh, they wow. Look, if the Pelicans can lose with Anthony Davis in the manner that I've watched them lose, then you can lose with Monte Ellis. Like, it can happen to anybody. That's my point. What? Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. All right. I don't know, man. I think I think there's a thing as empty calorie scoring, and that's also how I feel about passing. Oh, but. that's a great term, empty calorie scoring. All right. So, um, okay, look, I I I know I keep saying I'm worried about Mississippi State, uh, but like everybody <laughs> today, but I love no, it. but everybody just everybody keeps shutting me down. Everybody like you, other people I've interviewed and talked to, even like Verge Osbury, who's an assistant athletic director. We talked to him on air, and he was like, he said something like. Uh, it was like yeah, I think I think we can handle them. It, it, it was just very kind of like I think we'll be fine. <laughs> and so I, I guess yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm okay. I'm seating y'all. I'm chilling out. I'm just gonna watch the coronation of LSU in their champion defense this Saturday against Mississippi State. Uh, gonna be kind of crazy seeing twenty five thousand fans in the stadium. It's gonna be way louder. I feel like than most I've seen in a couple NFL games, but that might be around the highest number that I've seen yet. And it's going to be like a homecoming for me as somebody who never saw in, uh, Indiana's Memorial Stadium more than 40% full in my four oh, years. Yeah, so it's true. I, I think it's going to be, you know, I'm going to get really nostalgic. It's going to be nice for me. But yeah, you no, are, you're, 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 you're the bane in this situation. Yeah. The, uh, I was born in the yeah, yeah, exactly. You were born into 2020. And it's a day game. And I'm, and I was born into those, <laughs> those 11 a.m. big IU like Northwestern games. That's so true. yeah, I love it. A little, little, uh, but no, you are right. Spice. That is a, that is a good point. This is going to be like the SEC as a whole, not even just LSU. It's really the first weekend where we're seeing like actual crowds. So yeah, no, actually, that's a good point. That is something I'm interested to follow. Okay, so uh, sorry, no, I was okay. Yep, yep. No. Sorry, so I, I was trying it. to put on my radio guy. Pants, I, know, I know, and I'm like, I was shooting too. I was shooting too high. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, uh, well, the wax melted off your wings there, didn't it? Um, so okay, so this is something though that I we're, when we're talking about things we're going to see this Saturday. Uh, you pointed out something from Ogeron's press conference that stood out to you. Uh, what was it when he was talking about the offense that 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 kind of piqued your interest? You know, it's something he said like a week ago or a week and a half ago, but sometimes he says something and you're like, well, you know, that was a one-time comment. Maybe it was just kind of like overhyped. And then he said it like two other times, once on your show, once on his presser this week, and it's that – he said multiple times when I asked about the strengths of the team offensively, he is like at like literally, I think verbatim said, offensively our biggest strength is the running backs. And I think that would really surprise most people, probably you and me too. Like, well, yes, because- to the point where you're right. I heard him say that and I just kind of dismissed it. Like I did it. Yeah. I never even revisited it. And and here's why that's interesting. I mean, you and I, I think when we remember a few months ago, we did our whole like stability rankings, uh, position rankings thing. And, I think both of us had running back number two or something because we thought it was stable. Yes. I mean, we thought like we thought they had three to four guys you like trust to put in a football game. 
But I don't think we really felt like there's any chance. Like, we still thought it was, like, the fourth most talented. Like, and it's something really interesting. And, by the way, this is an example of it. you can spin something either way depending on how you want to view it. And I don't think you're wrong either way because I do think the LSU running backs have been really impressive. And I think Kevin Falk is a really good coach, and I think you'll see some great stuff. But if you want it to be negative, you can, there's also a very real argument that it's more about you just lost Jamar Chase, Miles Brennan might not be that impressive, and your O-line's all new guys. So it could be more of that. Damn, but I'm going to try to be Dude, too real. Back off. I had not <laughs> I know. opened that Pandora's go. box yet. I'm not. Like, I had definitely thought, like, you know, it's maybe, it's, maybe it's because, like, Miles is struggling a little bit or something. But, like, <laughs> yeah. you're right. We'll it talk- could be a reflection it of could be that. massive insecurities. But- I'm going to try to be positive here because I think it's probably a little more positive. And, yeah, I think the running backs have been a big thing. I mean, I think last week we talked about we've been hearing a lot of buzz about how John Emery looks, which if that's true, that's huge unlocking his talent because he's obviously was the number one running back in the country. He's a stud. And then, you know, Chris Curry's going to be the starter. He's a physical guy they trust. Tyreon Davis-Price is actually probably my favorite of those because he is a mix of, you know, can be a speed spread guy but also is more of a physical type. But him saying that is shocking to me, and I, I find that really interesting because everyone, we all believe, and I still generally believe, LSU has permanently shifted into being a spread, aired out team, and that's what everyone's been wanting. And then you look at the receiving talent, and you're like, you got to keep that going. And and by the way, I still think they're very much a spread four wide team. Like I'm not, that's not changing. But I think what you and I want to discuss is, is this a little foreshadowing that this might be more of a running team than people realize? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is. I, I think that when you look at the running back comments, combined with how many times uh, Coach O has mentioned revisiting the run, again, Verge Osbury in an interview a couple weeks, when you know, Verge gets to watch practice and everything. That's why I, I think his opinion holds a lot of water. Yeah. And he played, and he knows, and you know, smart he's a very man. smart man, exactly. Uh, and, and he also, when I think I might have just asked about strengths, and he brought up the running game. And talk about how I think this team's going to run the ball a lot better uh, than people think. What, okay, so what's interesting to me, because I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I don't want anybody to panic. I don't think it's like a return to just uh, two tights and power, you know, constant power tosses. Uh, but, but, but that is my question. So if they're going to have a better running game, is it just a running game that they continue to try to execute out of the formations of last year? And it's just more of a commitment to it from a play calling standpoint, maybe with like any, whatever, like a sprinkling of more power formations. Or do you think, I mean, Linehan has a very pro style background. Uh, do you think that it is a, a, a more pro style offense where, where, where they're doing something that looks a bit more traditional? Yeah. I mean, I think LSU fans probably hope it's not a reversion back to, you know, like, you know, power power uh, eye football and all that uh, I, my assumption is they are still spread they're still pretty modern still like i don't think the scheme's going to change that dramatically from joe brady it's just the percentages right and i think if they're smart that's how you do it because it's like it's something that i think like gets lost in the conversation sometimes and that like if you're spread it means you're pass when like i think the best my favorite offense actually dan for okay i'll say this dan mullen runs my favorite offense in college football because it's exactly what i love it's like a power spread it's a spread that spreads the field gets the defense spread out but it's still gonna power like its bodies are still powerful it's still gonna take advantage of mismatches and it really does that i think that's what lsu 
should do with its running backs because it does have two really good power backs, arguably three. And yeah, like you spread the ball out, you, you still throw the ball 50-50 at least, but you have a lighter box and you pound the ball to Chris Curry or Tyron David Price. I don't think it's a bad idea, especially great when idea. you have the fact that you... And you have a quarterback in Miles Brennan who needs help as much as I think. Like, and he, he wants to be in be... a spread attack. It's what he grew up playing. Yes. He doesn't. I mean, putting him in pro style under center, not a good idea. I, I yeah, you're you're right. It has. It is that. It is that. That that's what it's going to be. I mean, I'm not going to be shot. I mean, well, here's why. Well, my one counter to what I'm saying is you and I, and I have no info on this, so I want to preface this by saying that. But you and I is like I think dating back to February. Like our fun little thing has been like, are we going to see 12 personnel this year? And it's because they really huh, yeah. love both tight ends, Eric Gilbert and Cole Taylor, and even Nick Storrs a little bit. They love those guys. They're three huge guys who can block a little, but are they're receivers, if we're being honest. They are. So, and we've been like, man, like Steve Enslinger has very often said in his career, 12 personnel is like his favorite thing, especially if you have good enough athletes, because the key to a good personnel grouping is being able to do everything so a defense can't adjust as you go full speed, right? And if they can go 12 personnel, that is all a long-winded way of me saying you're kind of going to play a little best of both worlds there where you still can be, you know, that, that that's like having a tight end and a fullback on the field if you use it right. Like you can still have some power run personnel in that 12 personnel while still actually having four receivers on the field yeah. and being able to spread out defenses. Mm. And again, like I said, I have no inside information telling me that's what they're going to do. It's actually just the thing I'm most interested to watch offensively is like what formations does Steve use this year without Joe Brady? But I want to see if they do that because that would make a ton of sense. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got me very excited over here because that, <laughs> that sounds like an offense that could produce a lot of mismatches. It sounds like an offense that mainly to me could take – some of the burden, some of the pressure off of Brennan's shoulders uh, yeah. while still giving him like a platform to flourish on, uh, which obviously would be the, the the ideal way to handle things. So, yeah, that sounds great. And like, I, 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 I mean, I, I absolutely. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely hope, I, I hope that that's what we see uh, this Saturday. Uh, and, I, either way, I though, s- I, I do have like my my level of expectation for that running back room is way up now. Yeah, and I want to segue that into something else that I, I guess like we haven't even like really talked about. I think one of our favorite talking points this offseason has been like this is the year where we find out what Ed Ogeron really wants because you know stock's so high, all that stuff. It's also going to be a really fun year to segue off of everything we're saying with the offense. What does Steve Ensminger like? What's his perfect offense? Because 2018 was flawed as hell. And I think he made mistakes. I think they tried to be spread, but they weren't ready to be spread. All that stuff. We know all that. And and he had to learn. And in 2019, Joe Brady came in, and he knows the spread now. He knows air raid kind of RPO concepts better now. And he, he has a very healthy knowledge of, like, 50 years worth of eras of college football now. But Brady's gone, and he loses that, like, direct influence. So we're really going to see what like what a perfect Steven Springer offense is because he can take the things that he just kind of feels a little more trusted and a little more confidence in and you can take those spread concepts that will absolutely still be the bedrock of this team that's going to be really interesting and it's not even I'm not even saying anything new to what we just said but you know it, it relates to the 12 personnel it's like is that what he wants or or does he want to air it out even more or does he want to run more we're actually going to see like what Steve Ensminger wants and that's my favorite thing to find so out. what do you think and and this is probably an unfair question because admittedly I I don't know I mean I would have no idea uh like like what does <laughs> Linehan bring to the table like like you mentioned yeah. kind of Steve's past and we all know Joe Brady's past 
uh, like, is there anything specific scheme-wise that, like, Scott Linehan is associated with? Yeah, I think, well, in terms of, like, literally, like, what's his scheme? I mean, yeah, his Dallas ones were pretty, no, they were pretty, you know, but I think a lot of that was being a victim of you have the best O-line in football, you have one of the best running backs in football. I wonder if that's more. We'll never really know, but... I think Scott Linehan's scheme responsibility at LSU, or like, aside from calling third downs in red zone, a huge thing Steve Ensminger said on, I think, Hester's show and, and Hanny, and, and it was really fascinating, was that his main responsibility is his experience moving targets around, moving them all over the field, oh, create mismatches. Oh. That's Which, like, like is thing. the ultimate part of the <laughs> NFL game. Yes, it's because Calvin Johnson was his background. You know, I think he, he's had years with some amazing receivers over time. You know, why am I forgetting who? Oh, Amari Cooper. Jeez, that was rough. Um, but that's like his number one thing. And I think that's something Steve sounded really excited about in that interview was that, you know, they have Eric Gilbert or Rick Gilbert. They have, you know, they had Jamar Chase, but they have Terrace Marshall, Racing McMath, another huge guy. I'm really interested to see what Linehan wants to do with, because the whole thing is how can we, not allow defenses to double team guys. How can we spread them out to create the matchups we want? That's going to be so fun because Eric Gilbert is not just going to be a true tight end. He's going to be all over the field. Well, you know, there's not going to be like a not like last year where there's just going to be a Justin Jefferson's the slot receiver. Guys are going to be moving everywhere. So I think that's Linehan's big. Thing. Oh hell yeah, dude! I mean, if the I'm offense, not saying they're going to execute I know, it. But that's I thing. know, dude. I'm just <laughs> I, I'm just getting so excited. If the offense looks like the offense you are describing, uh, that's going to be awesome. Like that's an offense that could do a lot of damage. Uh, just, oh, by the way, for for anybody wondering, we're saying Arik again. <laughs> because uh, I talked to someone who who said that there's I I, I didn't see the video but who but who said that uh, that Arik Gilbert's mom says Arik so yeah so I'm back at Arik I like Arik more personally um, I I think it also fits with the spelling A R I K a bit better just in my mind but uh, but yeah so uh, until further notice HTPP's Arik once again. We are Reek once again. I'm not going to put my my opinion on this at all because there's no winning here. Because um, if I said I like Eric more, it sounds like I'm like normalized to white culture. So yeah, that's a fair um, point. Okay, that's a, yeah, that's, that's a fair <laughs> point. But I do. I, I think it's. I like when it's like a weird spelling for a common name. I actually am a big fan of that. But anyway, that's my two cents, and uh, we'll see what my kids' names are. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but are you on the Arik train for now? Right, we are. We're in agreement there. Yeah. No, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Okay. Perfect. We need to be a. We need to be a unit on this podcast, and I'll stick with Arik. Um, so Brody has gotten us all very hot and bothered about this offense. Um, and I, wow, yeah, this was awesome. But uh, there were there was else there was something else awesome that you did, Brody, and that nice. was your uh, Ali Gay profile that you did uh, for LSU. For those who don't know who Ali Gay is, like kind of like I did. Yeah. Uh, an unheralded member of the 2020 class. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Very unheralded. 2020, yeah, though, 2020. I'm saying. Jeez. Um, and a fascinating, uh, just, just a, a, you know what? I, I'm, you do the background. You, you give a story. Who is, because, oh, so the point is he was announced as a starting defensive end. Brody, tell us who is Ali Gay. Yeah, and I think we have to start with that news, which was I think was I mean, I'm man enough to admit I was genuinely surprised by that news that you know, we got the depth charts yesterday and Ollie Gay is the starting left end with Andre Anthony on the right side. One, it's surprising just because literally for the last three weeks it's been Trevez Morris the starter on the left. And then you add in like Ollie Gay is he has been like the guy 
you know, it's it's the the that guy all stars we always like to joke about. But like he's the guy that Ed Ogeron kind of throws last, and he's naming DNs. He's like, this guy's look good, this looks good. Yo, Ollie Gay's there too. You know, it's like one of those, and. And that's been the case for a while, and like he has never been really in line with being a starter. I mean, like it used to be T.K. McClendon and Justin Thomas. Then it was this guy. I mean, it's never been Ollie Gay. So that was really surprising news, and it was something where, I mean, you look back on that 2020 class, and we laugh like, oh, yeah, he was 2020. He was the least discussed member of that class. Granted, it's a junior college guy. So it uh, can I just confess way. to reinforce your yeah. point here? This entire morning show we talked about him. And I just oh, no. assumed he was like a 2018 signee or something. Like I never said anything. <laughs> you I were like assumed, shouting out his work the last I, few I assumed that he's been like a three-year dude just chilling on the team. And just kind of rising up. And then out of nowhere at like 9.50. Call up Dennis Johnson to talk about. Yeah, like 9.50 before the, uh, before the show ends, I saw your article on The Athletic. And I was like, who is this guy? This is wild. So, yes, to your point. Like, yeah, nobody. I, 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 a lot of people don't know that. That he's even in this class yeah and so now we'll get to the fun yeah, stuff how did he is... get here how did he get into this 2020 class yeah so i mean let's let's go back to the beginning t-bob i mean so ollie gay is somebody who didn't even pick up football until high school and like late in high school or at least not focus on it he was born in the gambia in, in west africa english is just like second or third language pretty much i mean he speaks basically like five to six languages he's a fascinating kid and he was more of a soccer player growing up and then he moved to the seattle area when he was 12 started playing football you know like i said in high school and basically was just this really raw six foot six guy and he never like obviously never really put it all together but washington chris peterson's like made a living off like finding under recruited guys who like have frames to develop that's like his greatest skill so he did at boise state forever so he signs with washington right you know not a huge recruit but you know they were excited about him and he doesn't qualify academically and that's actually its own story and it's in the story that i wrote on the athletic check it out and yeah i mean he I mean, like i said english wasn't his first language the gambian education system is very flawed so he's just behind so he doesn't pass at washington and because of that he doesn't can't even go anywhere that fall so he goes to arizona western community college which has produced a lot of nfl players great school so he goes there for one year well first off he has to redshirt that first year pretty much so he comes back for his first like eligible season he's okay you know he's still a project you know not, not much interest or anything like that and then the arizona western football program folds after one year there so then he follows the coach, Tom Minnick, to Garden City in Kansas, another Juco. Goes there, and Bill Bush goes and watches him in the spring. And Bill Bush is really tied in with that staff. He's actually, yeah, so Bill Bush has actually recruited two other players from Tom Minnick when he was at Arizona Western, and both ended up in the NFL. So he's a great relationship with him, and he's kind of nailed it. And Bill Bush also has a long history of just nailing these West Coast kids, you know, like Apuike is one of them, for example. And, um, sorry, not nailing kids. And. Huh. <laughs> okay go just go just Dude, go, just um, go. <laughs> and so bill bush goes to see him in the spring keep in mind like he hasn't really produced at this point this, this is ollie gay so and he sees him in the spring and like he he's just like all in on him and i think they offer him probably within a few weeks they definitely offer him that spring and the guy only has like eight career tackles then ollie gay comes and visits in june of that year and he it was the first of his five visits and i think this is the most interesting part of this story because i think this tells you kind of a lot about bill bush the recruiter Bill Bush knew that Ali Gay is a devout Muslim and his family is a very serious Muslim family. And he basically went above and beyond to make them feel comfortable and basically, you know, planned their meals to make them comfortable, had a meet with former LSU athletes who were from the Gambia. One of them was actually from his mother's neighboring town. They found oh, wow. out had 
Yeah, right? Had LSU Muslim outreach groups come out, meet with them. Basically just prepared them for the fact that, like, their son is not going to lose his faith while he's in Baton Rouge and, like, you know, made them feel comfortable. Then Gay met with the players and all that. And by by Sunday of that week, despite he had four other visits, he committed to LSU. So, and then he goes in the fall, and he, he still wasn't, by the way, wasn't some stud. I mean, he had, like, eight tackles for loss. He had a good year, but he's still a project. And But anyway, so Bill Bush kind of nailed that one. And they, they sign him. So then he comes to LSU and still is the complete afterthought and now surprises all of us and is the starting left end. So sorry for that long-winded response, but it is just a fascinating story. And, and we'll see how good he is. I'm not even, like, I'm not even riding an Ollie Gay hype train as much as I am as just being like, that's a really cool story for somebody that I don't think anybody expected. Yeah, and I mean, who can't appreciate somebody who knows three different languages, knows a lot of five or six total, like has lived all over the world chasing this dream, making it happen, now starting for LSU. Like even if, I mean, who cares? If, even if he's not any good, that's still just, that's an incredible story. Like that's, look, all in all honesty, uh, that is why The Athletic is so good because of articles like that. And that is why I just, yeah, that's why sports are cool. Because of like characters and articles like that, these these just these lives and backgrounds that they, they come they come from all over and they join in this common goal. Uh, but yeah, but unfortunately, like you maybe alluded to at the end, um, this could be another one of those like you were saying earlier with the offense, right? Are you running the ball more because you're really good at it, or because everything <laughs> else is bad, right? Is he starting because he's really balling out, or was it because they had a lot of attrition at that position and he just won? Um, you know, from the, the post-attrition battle. Yeah, and, and that it's almost like that other answer where I think it can be both, but, I mean, Ed Ogeron's answer about why he won the job, I mean, you can even look at it. He says, first off, Trevez Moore and him are probably going to have equal reps, which is kind of what I figured. I mean, they do like both of them, but he said here in that position, he knows his assignments, he plays well, plays hard, and I think he's going to have a great season. But he literally said, I mean, I think what made the difference was that he knows his assignments, he knows what he's doing, which yeah. alludes to the actual takeaway, which is that Trevez Moore probably doesn't. And and it's something we talk about on your show, but Trevez Moore, just for a quick like, bio on him, because it is important, because he will play a lot, Trevez Moore was the number one JUCO defense, like edge rusher in the country when he came here, and I'm not going to call him a bust because that's not fair. But has had has not been a success. I mean, he he's had to spend time away from the team. You know, he's had some off the field issues, and then when he finally, you know, he, he finally got some time last season, they tried to give him a major role, and you know, I forget what game it was. I apologize, but Kate, like just completely messed up in zone coverage, playing outside linebacker, and gave up like a 50 yard touchdown where it was like an egregious error. And you know, he didn't really see the field again. But we here's the one thing we do know about more is that he's a really good pass rusher like a really good one they've actually tried to make him like a green team guy they just couldn't really trust him and i think we'll be better in a 4-3 scheme same with andre anthony same with ollie gay all these guys no coverage but... responsibilities just <laughs> exactly, go get yeah. just go get the quarterback but it, it all has to say like i don't think ollie gay was like i think ollie gay had a really good camp i have heard that but i'm just saying like i don't think it was like ollie gay was so good we couldn't say no i think it was Trevez Moore, you still can't really trust him. So how many so. years does Ollie Gay have left, though? Because I always like looking at a guy's trajectory, right? And maybe not this year, but if he plays that like that much this year and starts consistently, and you think about where he's gone each step in this journey, like the amount of improvement, like, dude, that's somebody, it's how, it's how I've always talked about the D-lineman for the Saints, David Onyemata. 
a guy that the Saints like traded up to get in the fourth round. He played like college in Canada, right? Huge, huge project. But his trajectory, it happened very fast for him. And I feel like it's happening very fast for Ollie Gay right now. So he might have some growing pains this season, but like who knows what he could eventually evolve into. I mean, his frame, what is he? He's like 6'6", 260, he said. Yeah, I don't know his wingspan, but I'm pretty sure he's long arms. I know he's batted down a bunch of balls and whatnot, even batted one down for a pick in a scrimmage. So, Ooh. no, it's a great point. That's something I hadn't really like. You know, that's that's a key point that I, you never. I I don't want to make it sound like this is a development year for LSU because that's stupid. Because it's LSU, you're always competing for an SEC title, and you should be. But there can be a, be a best of both worlds, right? And I think you have to view this 2020 season as a little bit of a crossover year. New quarterback, yeah, so many young starters. So you're dumb if you don't. Yeah, you so, lost, yeah, you lost there, so much. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, so there's a scenario where, yeah, you're right. Like, because Trevez Moore's gone next year, so is Andre Anthony. But, like, you look at that 2021 roster potentially, and, yeah, you might have Apu Ike and Neil Farrell, Ollie Gay if he develops. You know, you have Brennan developing. You have... I don't know those those that loaded young group of freshmen and sophomore receivers developing that your corners as well. Oh my god, your corners are going to be scary, and, and your safety should be pretty darn good. And your receiving, I mean, your O line should actually be like loaded come twenty twenty one once because everyone except pretty much Shanahan and Decula should be back. Long winded, yeah, it is a bit of a crossover year. So yeah, that's a great point that it's a good chance for him to develop. Yeah, we'll see, man. We will see, and we will see this Saturday. In Death Valley. Birdie, are you going into the stadium? I am indeed going to the stadium. Uh, no, I'm, I am not this oh, year. Oh, that's kind of fun. I know. I'm, I'm a little bummed. They're doing... Um, I think you got to use it as like a... You just have to... It's like a, a benefit. Like you can actually just enjoy oh, it. Oh, no, no. I would. I would. No, no, no. Well, I'm going to be... No, I'm going to be locked in the studio all day. I'm doing like a companion live stream. So I'm going to be live during the game... Uh, just like having fun, drinking, hanging out. I don't know. We're all going to figure it out. But uh, yeah, you can absolutely come on. You're more than welcome to come on. I'm doing it every Saturday. Um, I would love for nothing more than for you to come on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Because I'm not going to go all the road games. Which yeah, is no. Mentioning. Yeah, okay, perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, it makes sense not to travel. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing two hours before the game, companion stream, and then I got roped into this. I got to do a two-hour <laughs> post-game show, but... We got to wait an hour and a half for the post game show to start. So it's like a post post show because it's after like the Eagle post show. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big bummer for your booze intake. That is a bummer. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I'll probably still just drink and then use that hour and a half to try to sober up before the post post. But uh, post, but yeah, post. I, I'm gonna miss Stadium this year. So I just was interested if you were gonna go. But I'm so excited for football, all this SEC football, Aub or Auburn, Kentucky. Uh, what is it? Old Miss, Florida. I really, really want to see. Uh, so I'm just ecstatic for Saturday. Brody, do you have uh, so what's your what's your prediction kind of? You don't have to give me like an exact store score because I don't care about that. But like, how, how do you find? Unless you want to, but how do you find this Mississippi State LSU <laughs> game playing out? I think LSU kind of routes. I think it's you know, I mean, 19 points is a lot, but I think they cover. I think they win this game like, I don't know, 38-17, you know, something in that realm. I just I have a hard time seeing Mississippi State's offense actually get going, and I just think the defense will be kind of bad. So, yeah, I'm going a uh, nice little blowout. After talking to you, LSU easily puts up 40. 12 Love personnel, it. power spread, shifting personnel, mismatches all over the field. Linehan, Ensminger. Final form. Uh, yeah, you got me hyped. I think, I think, and, and like I said, everybody else that I've talked to has just been like, nah, they're going to blow them out. 
So, uh, <laughs> I yeah, and, and if they do, man, ooh, if they do, start the hype train up. Start it on Pelini. I don't think I will. That won't change my opinion start at all. Start it on Ensminger. Start it on the back. Start it on everybody. <laughs> the truth is, there's like nothing in these first three games, unless like Brennan's just a stud, will really change my opinion at all because I think they're good enough to route these. The truth games. is that we, the people, do not care. People won't care. Okay, if they sorry. go, if they go and ball out Saturday and cover that and like look good doing so, and it's like an enjoyable one, not like one you maybe pulled out or grinded out. Oh, people are going to be like uh, LSU fans. It's to the moon. It's going to be immediately wait, back to the moon. Wait. Can I, do we have time for me to ask you one quick yeah. question? Okay, so Feinbaum just tweeted something. It was nine of the SEC teams have their starting quarterback for the season. Which quarterback are you most excited to see? So it's Mac Jones, Bo Nix, Miles Brennan, KJ Costello, Kellen Mond, Trask, Terry Wilson at Kentucky, Colin Hill at South Carolina, Guarantano at Tennessee. Let's say no Brennan because I know that's like yeah, the, I'm not, that's uh, our I'm jobs. Going, I'm going no Brennan so anyway. who are you most excited uh, to see? It's easy Mine's answer. Bo oh, damn it, dude. That was mine. Damn it, Brody. Mine was Bo Nix. Um, so, uh, I shouldn't have jumped in. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. But it is Bo Nix uh, because to it's me, Nicks, yeah. he's also the guy that has the greatest – he's the greatest wild card. Like if he's good, yeah. then all of a sudden maybe Auburn's better than LSU. If he's not, then they're not. Uh, and actually, depending on how good, like maybe Auburn's even you know the best in the West. So it, it's just his ability to, I think – shift Auburn's fortunes are maybe above uh like almost anybody else that you just named no yeah I think you actually like put it beautifully so yeah because I think him with Chad Morris of the OC I think there's a in, in a pretty darn good receiving core that doesn't really get talked about at all for some weird reason so yeah I think Bo Nix there's a chance he's awesome this year there's a chance Auburn sucks so Bo Nix is the answer and I think Let's that's how we go, go. Auburn Kentucky this Saturday too football's back boys. I'm so that's I'm so excited what time is that? Game? Um, I don't want to misspeak, so we will leave it to the internet to tell all of our fine listeners. Unless you Google it and tell them by the end of this. Uh, thank you so much for everybody hanging out today. Whoa, it's the nooner, the eleven a.m. Or oh, it's wow, terrible oh, scheduling, but we can watch hey, it. Hey, wow. no, but I love that. That means, oh yeah, that means I'm going to be like locked in. Hell yeah, dude. Okay, um, thank you to everybody. Uh, look, if you enjoyed the show, share it, uh, review it, five star, all that. Remember, athletic.com/slash hold that podcast. $1 a month sign-up deal going on right now. 1 million subscribers for our reasons, you bums. So go ahead and get it. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Buy your meats at Avery Special Meats. And, uh, Brody, do you have anything to add on the way out? Sorry, I was burping. No, I think that burp is literally should be our end, so I'm done. Okay, that's it. Thank you, Brody Miller. Thank you, John Hayes, our producer. Thank you to The Athletic. And uh, we will see you next Tuesday on the Hold That Podcast podcast.